Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the currently Ebola-free Washington, D.C., Steve Hayes of the Weekly Standard. Steve, are you feeling safe today? Uh, a little bit less safe than, than yesterday, but nonetheless feeling pretty safe, yes. I want to get to the uh, political and public policy implications of Ebola and how it's been handled this far, but I just want to ask, do you agree with me that uh, one of the people who has not acquitted himself well is the head of the CDC, James Frieden, uh, particularly when he has to go back and re-restate things he's already said, and he's made claims like we're going to stop Ebola in his tracks that have clearly not been true. And I'm wondering, are, are people in D.C., in the White House, up on Capitol, are they starting to notice, or is, is it just one of the things where the Ebola is kind of a scary thing and they don't really expect anybody to you know, handle it perfectly? Well, I think people are noticing. I mean, I don't want to, you know, make representations beyond folks that I've I've talked to about it, but I, but I do think that people have have noticed, and and what they've noticed in particular is the difference in both tone and substance uh, between his press conferences last week and the ones that we've heard him give over the past couple of days. I mean, if you look at what he said last week, it was clear that his objective in speaking to the country was to try to reassure people that the government was, in effect, in control, that they knew what they were doing, that they had at least seen the possibility of this, and that there were certain protocols, certain things in place uh, that would keep this from uh, from spreading, from being a, a bigger problem. And he talked about, at some length, about how difficult it was for uh, Ebola to be passed on, to be uh, given to, to another person. Uh, this week, we have seen, I would say, a, a rather sharp reversal. And you had, in his comments after the revelation that there was a second uh, U.S. person infected with the virus, uh, you had Dr. Frieden saying, We've got to rethink how we approach Ebola in the United States. I mean, th- that is an alarming change. If, if, you, if, if the goal was to reassure people before, and then you make that kind of a dramatic reversal in your position, there's no question that you will have undermined your primary initial objective, which was to keep keep panic from spreading. And it's interesting, as you know, uh, Steve, I live and work in Atlanta, and one of the things that we've been talking about on my radio show is the fact that Tom Frieden's experience is really in the kind of political end of public policy and health. He worked under Michael Bloomberg. He was one of the people behind the soda ban and the, uh, the attempted soda ban and, you know, banning even e-cigarettes from the public, you know, from public spaces, which is dubious science in both counts, but certainly, you know, political public policy. And uh, when he was making statements that he he couldn't even reconcile himself about how you had to have physical contact in order to catch it. And then Dr. Sanjay Gupta on CNN said, well, wait a minute, your own guidelines said you just have to be within three feet of someone and it can't turn into the, well, we'll judge it on a case-by-case basis. I think a lot of people looked at that and went, wow, they don't seem to know what they're doing, which brings us to the big yeah. picture. I, the epitaph of the Obama administration when when the tombstone is placed in you know 2017, they didn't seem to know what they were doing. But I think part of the problem is it wasn't just Dr. Frieden's words; it was also what people were seeing on their television screens. At, at the same time that he was telling us, basically, this isn't terribly contagious; it's almost impossible to to catch it unless somebody spits in your mouth. Um, you know, basically, you look at what people were seeing on their on their television news that night, and it was images of. Uh, people clad in hazmat suits uh, going and cleaning the apartment of uh, 
Thomas Duncan. I mean, this, this sent quite different messages. And you look at the kind of precautions that, that others were taking, uh, the kind of things that airlines were doing. Um, it was very clear from the, from the earliest stages of the response to this that we were getting two different messages from those in charge. And the concern that I have and the fear that I have is that in an attempt to quell the panic uh, or get in front of potential panic on the, on the early end, they may end up discrediting the government's response by downplaying what you know could be a quite serious situation. And speaking of government response, it's been more than a month since President Obama said we would have military medical teams setting up 17 health stations in West Africa. Uh, as of 24 hours ago, the media reports I saw showed that zero of those health stations had actually been set up. Uh, you have people wondering why is it you're able to fly still into the United States directly from Ebola, uh, you know, ravaged countries? Why is it that the 13,000 or so people who have American visas in those countries, those visas haven't been restricted in any way, and uh, are we really going to be content with a thermometer screening of people, the 150 or so people who come into the country? And uh, you've seen the polls, Steve, the polls today say Americans are not happy, more dissatisfied with how the president's handling it. Some 75% want significant restrictions on who comes and goes, and, and all we get instead is this kind of, as you said, this doctor who's very focused on politics and PR while people are asking for more to be done. Right, exactly. And I think if you, if you look at, uh, again, look at the response and look at the way that the administration's handled this, you can, you can point to any of a number of things that do everything but inspire confidence. I mean, the, the, the additional restrictions or the additional measures that the administration uh, took or announced, uh, when Dr. Frieden was asked twice at that press conference where he announced it, whether they would have prevented um, Mr. Duncan from entering the United States, the index patient, as Dr. Frieden calls him, uh, he basically had to say no. He said no, it wouldn't have had any effect because he didn't tell the truth on his initial reforms and he wasn't yet symptomatic, so he wouldn't have necessarily prevented his entry. And, of course, if, if somebody else wanted to come to the United States without a total travel ban, uh, somebody who knew that he had had contact with Ebola patients, who knew that he might be an Ebola victim himself, but wanted the best treatment, thought the only way that he could possibly survive the disease was by coming to the United States, lies on his entry, doesn't show a temperature, uh, you know, and then he's here. And it seems very clear from looking at, uh, at the way that this has been handled that, A, um, whatever they whatever the administration does they don't want this travel ban um even if even to the point of giving i think rather flimsy reasons for why not uh and b they're not all working from the same playbook they're not all saying the same things and that will have the effect of uh, undermining confidence that the American people has that its government knows what it's doing. Uh, which brings us to the uh, immediate political consequences. Uh, you, uh, uh, incumbents are not faring well in either party. The, you know, people, white track, one track numbers are terrible. And I just wonder if a good closing messages for Republicans wouldn't be to say Ebola, ISIS, border security, uh, you know, secret service. These people just stink at everything. <laughs> do just we promise we won't be that bad we're not making promises will be good we just promise we we won't be as awful as you've got right now yeah i mean you've seen some of that there was a new york times article the other day that frankly i thought overstated uh the extent to which republicans are going with the scare campaign and grouping everything together i guess i would make a distinction between 
ISIS um, and terrorism and broader threats and the Ebola virus. I mean, I think it's very clear when you're talking about the growth of, Al- of, of ISIS, uh, the, the expansion of al-Qaeda, the, the negligence with which this administration handled those issues, the president calling them JV, announcing in effect that the war on terror was over, there is a very clear uh, policy failure there. I mean, I think Republicans can and should, as often as they can, point to what the president has said in the past, point to the way that the administration approached those issues, and say they got it wrong. And we're doing what we're doing now as a result of their failed policies. With Ebola, I think it's a little uh, dicier, and there's a risk of a backlash. I, mean, I think people generally are, are concerned, as you suggested the polls are telling us. But I'm not yet sure that people are ready to place blame. I mean, it may be the case if we see additional cases here in the United States and if we see the administration and the CDC and others continue to have difficulty both communicating to the American public but also stopping the spread of Ebola, that it might be ripe for a, for a political argument. But I guess at this point, I think that's rather premature. And I think that's true on the Democratic side, too. I mean, you've got these, these sort of fringy groups out there making the case that this is all because of Republican budget cuts, which, you know, I, I think isn't, isn't A, true, and B, won't be effective. Uh, if only you could find some Republican budget cuts out there. <laughs> very, very happy. So, uh, but I'm. It's interesting. We talk about the mishandling, and you you pointed out a, a significant difference. But the overlap to me is the oh, the reaction from this White House seems to always be whatever you do, you know relax underreact yeah. a little more they're like uh, the old Atlanta Braves uh, pitcher Charlie Lee Brandt the uh, changeup pitcher who's they said he could always reach back and take a little more off and yeah. you just wonder <laughs> if this White House because they're so determined not to overreact to anything that events are just blowing past them and whether it's Russia which once again people saw months in advance where Putin was headed ISIS a year ago we knew about it the Ebola crisis if the president had acted in West Africa when he first announced it, maybe we might have slowed things down there. And now we're looking at 10,000 cases a week, Steve. You must wonder, how long can they get away with this cool to the point of frigid when it comes to reacting to problems? Well, look, I think it's one of the most on-point criticisms of this White House that one can make. I mean, it's certainly been the case on the issues that you mentioned. You can go back and you can talk about other issues. I mean, and you and I have have talked about this before, but go back to the Christmas Day bomber, who was supposedly an isolated extremist, and then we found out that he wasn't. The the, uh, Times Square bomber, who uh, had no international ties whatsoever, was this was a one-off attack, and it turned out that he had uh, deep ties to the Pakistani Taliban, etc., etc., inclination on everything, Benghazi, of course, their inclination on everything is to downplay. And, and you know, it's, it's like the, the naked gun line, you move along, nothing to see here. Um, I'm just not sure that in terms of a political issue, Ebola has really ripened yet. Uh, it, it is the case, as you suggest, that the president might have acted in a more forceful way uh, with respect to what was unfolding in Africa. Um, will Americans hold him to account for that? Hard to imagine in a, in a political midterm that they will, um, but if there are additional cases here, um, I think it certainly would be the case that, that you'll have Republicans making exactly the kind of arguments that we're talking about. Well, I think this election is going to be, as most midterms are, a for or against election, and there are a lot of reasons to vote against 
the incumbency at every level. And I just think that the fear, the chaos, the mishandling, the you know back and forth on facts and reporting is going to um, make it easier for people who want to vote against to do so and to show up and harder for people who want to vote for to show up on Election Day. But we'll see. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Michael. Thanks. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.